Welcome to East Brainerd, everybody. Hey, we are so glad that you are here. And yes, I already have come with my extra battery for those who have been with us the last couple of weeks. We are ready and, and prepared. Thanks so much for joining us this weekend. Welcome to those who are part of our online campus watching on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, we're thankful for you being with us as well. If you are new to our midst, uh, again, please make sure that uh, as you are or heading out, if you haven't already gotten one of our connection cards, uh, fill that out. We'd love for you too. You can also uh, text the number that's there in front of you, probably there on the pew, and you'll be able to give us a little information about yourself. Again, we're just thankful that you are here with us. And if you're new to Chattanooga, we hope that uh, you're going to enjoy uh, living in Gig City. We're glad that you are here and a part with us. Uh, how many of you, you've already sent some kids back to college? Anybody have to, um, have to do that? Right? Uh, this is the crying section right over here. All right? So if you, need, uh, if you need a shoulder to cry on, just come over here. Uh, it is an exciting time, but also uh, there's some sadness whenever the kids head back. But uh, we hope that there are safe travels all the way around. I know uh, I'll be heading up to Cookville with Emily tomorrow to get things taken care of there. But there's been some other things going on in the Barnett household uh, that I just want to share with you. The Barnett family has a new driver. Ye be warned. All right? I'm uh, just going to give you some, uh, some heads up. Micah usually arrives at church around 9.25, okay? So you plan your attendance here accordingly. Uh, you, can, you can decide, right? Uh, now look, he is actually doing a, a very good job. I'm proud of him and excited uh, for him to have this uh, little bit of, of freedom. I chalk it up to the expert driver training that he had. Thank you, Mom, for doing that for him, <laughs> all right? Uh, I, I didn't do it. It, it was, it was Miss Tanya. I'm glad that she can be our kids' driving instructor. Uh, I really am because if it was left up to me, Emily and Micah would not get anywhere unless they were on a bike or a skateboard or a scooter or something like that. Now, I can handle driving around in the church parking lot. Anybody else do, do that with your kids? You know, you go to a large parking lot somewhere and you drive around. I can do that. And I can work on parking and, and, and all that. It's just when you get out on the highway, right, that's when I have a little bit of trouble. And you say, uh, well, well, Chris, do you just not trust your kids? And the answer is, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, I don't trust your kids either. I don't trust anybody. All right? I don't trust anybody. My kids will actually tell you that they are better drivers when I am not in the car with them. Yeah, right? In any of you guys over here that are driving, you feel the same way? It's like, yeah, I drive a lot better when mom and dad are not in the car with me. And, and Tanya knows that I have to be sick to be in the passenger seat. I mean, if you see me in the passenger seat, I, there's something wrong with me. Now, I know some of you enjoy getting in the passenger seat. You enjoy it. You enjoy letting someone else take the wheel, and, and you can just rest, and you can just relax, and you just enjoy the ride. You bunch of weirdos. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how God wired you, but you're just wired different. That's all I know. Now, now, look, you might think that I have control issues. It's not that. I just don't like to be driven. I like to be driven. This past week, Bobby Bowden, the longtime football coach of the Florida State Seminoles, died due to complications of pancreatic cancer. Now, Coach Bowden was known for his Christian faith. He was known for the Puderewski, and he was known for the ability to tell a really good story. And once he told an audience that since he had retired from coaching football, he had begun taking more and more speaking engagements. And initially, he would always drive himself to these different opportunities. But he said lately, his wife, Miss Ann, had started traveling with him and, and that she had started driving him. 
He said, I just hold the wheel. <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home when there's someone in the passenger seat or someone in the back seat that starts saying, hey, you need to turn. Where are you going? What are you doing? Slow down. Why are you going so close to that car? Right? Anybody know what this is like? You hold the steering wheel, but there's somebody else that's driving. There's somebody else that is in the back seat. They're in the passenger seat, and they're dictating where you go. Now, there is a very important truth to this. Everyone is driven by something. Everyone's driven by something. You look up drive in any dictionary, and you're going to find that it's most often defined as to guide or to control or to direct. And understand, today, this very minute, right now, you are being driven, maybe by a problem. Maybe you're being guided by anger. Maybe you're being controlled by an addiction. You, you may be directed by a haunting memory. Everyone is driven by something. Now, here, here's some of the more common driving forces. And I want you to think about this and see if you can see it in your own life. A lot of us are driven by guilt. We spend our life running from regrets and hiding from shame. Guilt-driven people always live in the past tense. And we can't see anything that's up in front of us because we're always checking the rearview mirror. Uh, we, we can't look forward because we're always trying to see where we have been. We, are, we might be the products of our past, but we do not have to be prisoners to that same past. It's why David would write, Oh, what joy! Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy to those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. So maybe that's how you drive around. Or maybe you're driven by fear. And look, I understand these fears are real. Besides all the different phobias that we have to deal with and sometimes laugh over, there's the fear of failure. There's the fear of loss. There's the fear of missing out. A lot of us have that. There's the fear of pain. And there's the fear of death. And look, some fears, they're caused by traumatic experiences. And those, again, those fears are real. Others are due to over-the-top expectations, and, and those fears are real. But whatever the, call, or the cause, the result is that fear-driven people miss out on so many opportunities because, well, you're just too afraid. You're just too afraid to take that next step. You're, you're afraid to, to go that extra mile. You're, you're afraid to consider what could come afterwards. And so you play it safe. You just live out the status quo. You refuse to take any risk. Fear creates an invisible prison that's more secure than any penitentiary in the world. And that's why I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, Jesus' instruction that he gave to his disciples the most often, I mean, more than he said you need to love other people, more than he said you should love God and put him first, the command that he gave most often to his followers was do not be afraid. Because he knew it. He knew that people were driven by fear. So guilt and fear are huge drivers. But there's a couple of others that I, I think also dictate our life. There are too many in our culture who are driven by materialism. Always looking for the next thing. Whatever the next thing is. I mean, they're controlled by the desire to accumulate more and more. And it's all because we believe that if we can get the next thing, that we're going to find our happiness, or we're going to be satisfied, or there's going to be security there, or we're going to find acceptance. 
And fulfillment is always that golden snitch that's right out there in front of us. And we're chasing it around, hoping that that next thing that we grab onto, the next thing we buy, the next place we live, the next place we go, it's going to have it. And we're going to have what we want. I think it's why Jesus cautioned us to be on our guard against all kinds of greed. And he said, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Let's consider one more driver. And I think it's especially prevalent in those of us who are under the age of 50. Many of us are driven by comparison. See, social media has created a generation of anxious and, and stressed out and, and just miserable people. All because you and I are now able to compare ourselves to everybody else's family and what everybody else is doing. And look what my child did today. And, and look who's on the honor roll. And, and look where we went to the beach in our, all of our white clothes. And, and look how we took our picture. You know, they never tell you that they had to take 500 pictures to get that one, right? Never tell you that. But we see all these things online. And, and, and then we have the latest photo. It's the story. It's the TikTok TikTok drop of our favorite influencer. With all these connections, we, we begin to try to compare ourselves and try to figure out, well, what is it that we're missing on? And what should we be doing? And how should we be acting? Every viral video, every new dance, all these things tell us that we need to catch up. But here's the rub with all this. In the book Paradox of Choice, Barry Schwartz shares that the more choices that a person has, the more chances he or she will be disappointed with their ultimate decision. See, here's how it works. Because I have access to so many choices out there, so many things that I can compare, so many different colors, so many different food options, so many different things that I can compare my life to, when I finally do make a decision of what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to wear or, or where I'm going to go to school or, or how I'm going to act, I am constantly discouraged because no matter what I choose to do, I never feel that it measures up because all of a sudden I get another alert on my phone that says, well, there's another choice you didn't realize that you had. There was something else that you could be doing. You see, I have access to so much information, to so many different types of people and things. And so I'm constantly being discouraged. You see, personally, I have always known that there are others who can communicate better than I can. And I've always known that that individual was out there, somewhere, someplace. But now they show up in my, in my inbox and they're on my Twitter feed. And, and I'm constantly bombarded with what others are saying and how they are saying it. And if I'm not careful, well, you, I just become a basket case because I'm like, wow, I can't believe any of you guys showed up today. You could have stayed at home and you could have watched Andy Stanley say something even better on YouTube. It'd been great. Now I'm nervous about what I'm going to say next because I don't know what Andy Stanley's saying today. You know, in our church staff, we have access to what other church staffs are doing in California and Texas and Arkansas and South Georgia and all around the world and and we have to be on guard against measuring ourselves against what they are doing. You see, comparison tells us that nothing that we do is good enough. Nothing we do is good enough. And comparison's voice is so loud that we have a hard time hearing our God say, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And before you were born, I set you apart. We need to hear that. We need to know of our uniqueness. You see, guilt and the fear and materialism and comparison 
All of these things claim to be great, just great drivers, and they call shotgun in our lives every single morning. And, and look, you may hold the wheel, but you are not actually the one who is doing the driving. Everyone is driven, everyone is guided, everyone is controlled, everyone is directed by something or someone. And all these voices, they're shouting, and they claim to be able to lead us to the best life ever. Yeah, if you just keep driving, you're going to find it. And who doesn't want to live your best life, right? I mean, we all want that. And a few years ago, the idea of living your best life, well, it began to circulate on social media. And the appeal was, the appeal was that we were all encouraged to live our best life, not someone else's version of what was best. And so it wasn't about what society or religion or past generations said was best. It was what it was what myself, it was what we as individuals determined to be best. Here's how one article in 2018 explained it. Living my best life says everything at this moment, despite society's standards, is just the way I want it to be. Whether it be jobs, relationships, or Sunday night rituals, millennials aren't afraid to interpret our best life in an outwardly organic fashion, however we want. Whether that means embracing queer relationships, Quitting the job you hate and moving back home, or changing your major for the fifth time, further elongating your college journey. The trend of living my best life is millennials saying, we choose our own paths and define happiness in our own ways. And that sounds good. Sounds good. I choose and I define. And more and more, our society just continues to turn inward, hoping hoping to find the secret to fulfillment and to success and to happiness. And I just have to ask, how's that going for you? How's that going? Are we happier because of this? Do we get along better with others in society because of our inward focus? Are we more fulfilled? Are we less anxious? Are we more optimistic now because we are able to live our best life? Is that really what we're living? Did you know that almost 21 million Americans have at least one addiction? And that the number of drug overdose deaths has quadrupled since 1999? And actually in 2020, there were more than 93,000 drug overdose, drug overdose deaths. Think about that. Americans aged between 18 and 23, this is the Generation Z. They're reporting the highest stress levels of any generation in the country. The youngest people in our midst are the most stressed out. So should it surprise us then to learn that in 2019, suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34. In fact, and I had to verify this a couple of different times, there were nearly two and a half times as many suicides in the United States as there were homicides. Almost 48,000 suicides in 2019 compared to 19,000 homicides. Guys, does that sound like to you that we're finding our best life? It sounds like the caution of the Proverbs writer being lived out. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. You see, it seems that our inner search for our best life is just, 
has just landed us and led us to lasting disappointment. So, so, he, so here's what I want to ask you if, you if you will consider. Are you willing to consider another way? I, I mean, if it's true that we're all searching for our best life, and if it's true that we're all driven by something and someone, well, then can I suggest this morning that we all consider what it's like to be God-driven? Now, I know you might think, of course, Chris, you're the preacher, and you're going to say, hey, you know, you need a God-driven life, right? Jesus, take the wheel. That's, that, that's it, right? But look, I'm not saying this because I'm the preacher. I'm saying this because God has promised to guide us to our best life. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. And look, if you're going to listen to all these other voices and try it out, and if you're going to see where that's going to get you, and when you look around in society and see already what this type of mindset, what it's producing, then why not give a God-driven life a shot? Just give it a try. Maybe you didn't even know it was in your Bible. Maybe you didn't know it was in your Bible that God says, I want you to enjoy your best life. And I want to guide you there. He says, I'm going to advise you along the way. I'm going to help you know which way to go. And I'm going to remind you of different obstacles. And I'm going to give you a heads up. And I'm going to keep my watchful eye on you so that you don't need to be afraid. You know, in the weeks to come, here's what we're going to do. We're going to consider how being God-driven can lead us to our best life. And I want you to come back, and I want you to watch. I want you to pull it up on our podcast and listen. And, and I want you to participate in this, in this journey. And I just want you to consider giving God a chance when it comes to directing your life. And see if his promise doesn't, well, if it doesn't bear out in your life. But before today, I just want to wrap things up with, with just one idea, okay? I want you to notice here that God wants you to experience the best pathway. He, he wants to lead you down the best pathway for your life. And there's a lot of different directions that you can go. And we saw earlier from Proverbs that, that we're not always the best at choosing which direction to head. But God says, I will take you down the best path. Now understand something. If you choose to go down this path with God, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the easiest, and it does not mean that it's going to be the quickest. The best pathway for your life could be uphill. And it could have a lot of different twists and turns in it. To experience your best life could mean that the best path is rocky and it's filled with detours. And that's where trust comes in and faith. And we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. It's like putting in your destination on your favorite Maps app. And then trusting when it says, hey, there's a slowdown ahead, but you're still on the best route. Now, I know whenever you hear that, you're like, I can find a better way, right? I mean, come on. How many of you are like me, and as soon as it says there's a slowdown ahead, but you're on the best route, it's like I'm putting the blinker on, right? I mean, I'm getting off, and it is time to go off-road, put it in 4 by 4 and we are going to get our own path because I am not going to be slowed down, and I'm not going to pay attention to what this app is telling me, Right? That strong desire begins to build up in us. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Your relationship prospects have slowed. Your job is at a dead end. Your marriage is just stuck. Your body is sputtering. 
And everything inside of you is shouting, turn, get off, go in a different direction, take control, make your own path. Well, as loud as that shouting, can you hear me shout louder? Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't be driven by anything or anyone but God. Because he has promised to take you on the best pathway for your life. You know, my first car was a 1984 Chevy S10 pickup truck. Long wheelbase. Two-tone. It, it was great. Had a little teddy bear with suction cups on the back window. My mom put it there. We, we didn't have headrests in, in those days. And there was a window right back there behind me. And if I was in an accident, that little Auburn teddy bear was going to save her baby. Okay? At least that's how she was able to sleep at night. And I, look, I remember the excitement. I remember the excitement, the feeling that I had when I, when I went on my first solo drive to school. And I pulled out onto Highway 2A, and I, right there in Fort Oglethorpe, and I carefully made my way down Battlefield Parkway. And, and there on the right side, there was the Kmart, and then there was the Shoney's. And up a little further on the left, you had Hills. Anybody remember the Hills store? Remember, remember that? Man, they had the best toy section. It was really awesome. And there was Hills, and you had Burger King. And, and so I, I kept going. I made sure that I stopped at all the traffic lights. I kept my speed under 55. I, I drove just as my parents had instructed and followed their directions precisely until I arrived at school. And I was all smiles when I pulled into the parking spot. But I found out later that I wasn't the only one that was smiling. You see, unbeknownst to me at the time, my parents had followed me to school. I haven't anybody else, <laughs> right? They followed me to school. They had watched as I had traveled the path that, that we had earlier driven together. And they were relieved when I safely arrived at school and they, they were happy that, that I had finally achieved this, this rite of passage. You know, I thought back to that day this past Thursday as I watched Micah from a distance turn on to campus at Boy Buchanan. I at least told him I was going to follow him, all right? I wasn't going to let him find out later. I'm like, son, dad's right behind you. And you never know when dad will be behind you. But you know, he followed his mom's instructions. He had taken the correct turns. He made it safely to his destination. Was he living his best life? Yeah, not really. I mean, it was a great moment. But as good as that moment was for him and for me, it was nothing compared to a life being driven by God. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. And he will show you which path to take. It's the path that leads to your best life. And your heavenly father will advise you along the way. And he will watch over you as you drive until you safely arrive at your destination. And on that day, both you and God will be all smiles. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the promise, the promise of desiring to lead us to our best life. You created us. 
You created us. You know what makes us tick. You know the different talents. You know the different abilities that we have. You, you know the interest. You, you know us from the inside out. And you know what's best for us. And you have promised that you will guide us and that you will lead us on the pathway that is best for our life. But there are so many different voices. There are so many different voices that we hear that, that shout, turn left and turn right. There, we, we've we listen to guilt, we listen to fear, we listen to materialism, we listen to comparison. And, and there's so many other things that, that cloud that cloud our mind that we, we hear and we think, well, you know, if I just go do this, if I just try to, to find my own best life and not worry about anybody else's direction but just my own. Father, thank you today for reminding us that there is a path that seems right to us but it only leads to our demise it only leads to our disappointment it only leads oftentimes to our death show us the way that we should go father allow us to trust in you more allow us to live our best life we thank you for the fact that you have not abandoned us that you have not just put us here in this world and said good luck i hope you can make it but instead, you advise us. You speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. You, you bring others around us to hold us up, to encourage us, to give us wisdom. Father, you put your watchful eye on us. And we can never get too far from your presence. So may we embrace it. May we lean in to you, Father. So that our lives may be God-driven. And so that we might truly discover life as you intended for it to be. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, we want you to know as we begin to close things out this morning that if you are concerned about the life that you are heading down, if you're concerned about the choices that you have made, you would like to talk to someone about, about things that are going on in your life, about anything that has been mentioned today in this message. We have a prayer room that is in our lobby. And one of our elders will be there as soon as our time is up here this morning. And you're welcome to go and to, to sit down and to have a conversation and to be able to talk and to pray and to, to read scripture together and just to share. Whatever it might be, God desires to lead you on the path to your best life. And if you're following any other path, if you're listening to any other voice, then again, can I say, don't do it. Be God-driven. If you'd like to find out again more of what that means, please go to our prayer room and we'd love to have that conversation with you. We're going to encourage one another and sing about the control that God needs to have in our life. And I hope that as we sing this song that maybe you'll have your own prayer that you'll acknowledge and say, Lord, I need you to be in control. We want you to know if you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning, we would love to celebrate that with you. You can make that be known by just coming to the front as we are singing. Why don't we stand and encourage one another?